0: SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast.
1: And we're back with another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Podcast AAC edition. My name is Dan Morrison. That is Emily Van Buskirk. How are you doing today?
2: I'm doing actually pretty well. How are you?
1: I'm all right. Yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> okay. No, I think I'll rights exactly where I'm at. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, dog if you're all right,
2: you're all right.
1: You know, you know, dog days of summer.
2: Yeah. Dog days for
1: I, sure. I need the season to get here at this one because I'm so sick of writing articles that are this coach said that he's really excited <laughs> like, about, about
2: the season. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> I'm so sick of, because believe it or not, every single coach is excited for the season. They're all pretty confident their team. They know, you know, the guys have been working hard all summer. I'm so sick of everyone saying the same thing. I want games. I want things to happen.
2: I know. I, it's like, I feel like I'm doing so many podcasts and people always ask the same question, you know, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about this schedule? And there's only so many times you can look through something and try and see it in a different way. It's like, we just don't know until these guys get on the field for that first game and get Mm -hmm. through that first game. We really don't know till the second game, what we're dealing with here. So um, you know, I'm, I'm ready for the action as well. But I, I wanted to slow down a little because my birthday is actually next weekend. And it's one of my favorite weeks of the year because down nice. here in Pebble, it's Concord Elegance, d'Elegance, if you will. Um, and it's oh, the fancy. It's actually even spelled like C-O-N-C-O-U-R-S. There's no E. It's Concorde. Elegance. it's very fancy but all it's right. basically when all of the cars like the best cars in the world they come down to pebble beach and nice. they do a car show and they compete for like the title and then cars go for sale but there's like concept cars which you can, you know you never see these high-tech like Futuristic, idea cars yeah yeah. And like the most expensive cars ever. And they actually clear the green. It's the one day of the year that you can't play golf at Pebble beach because nice. all the cars go on the golf course and the green. Oh, I bet the grounds crew loves that. Oh my God. So I work in the golf offices and all the guys were talking about it and they're like, we don't even want to go because it's painful to see that. Like we, you know, it's hard to see. So, (laughs) but I'm excited because I love cars. I grew up, you know, working like fixing cars with my dad and um, my boyfriend is very into cars. So like, it's a big deal for our family. So I'm excited to, to do that. But then after my birthday, then it's football time. So
1: so it's a good marker for when football season yes, starts for you. Exactly. <laughs> Get nice and ready for the week zero games coming up. Yes.
2: And we're so close to finishing our season preview. Cause I don't think yeah. we have any AAC news. I mean.
1: Uh, nothing. That's like, yeah. I didn't see anything jump out as super noteworthy. Uh, I did
2: see an article I wanted to bring up with you, but this was from, I should have sent it to you. It was from back in July, like end of July. Okay. And it, It basically was on um, si.com and it said, Can UFC win? (laughs) I do that all the time. Can UCF win an AAC football championship? Three areas that will help determine their chances to win. And I wanted to quiz you and see if you could guess what the three areas were that this article names three areas where they need to, I don't know, improve Uh, on last season to win.
1: I've got three off the top of my head. That I think it would okay, probably it. the first is special teams. Super special inconsistent, teams. super inconsistent last season. Daniel okay. Barsky, big leg, doesn't really know where it's going. would be my first guess.
2: So I'm going go to go ahead and say no, because, and you, you know, people they don't, don't, care, about special they don't teams. care about special teams. So that okay. never comes up, even though you and I both know it's very important and it can be a game winning factor. So props to you for bringing that up, but no, that was not uh, one of them.
1: The other's got to be the quarterback spot because there's a, currently a quarterback competition going on. That is be.
2: the very first thing it says is starting quarterback, yeah. making plays, earning respect.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're, we're going to talk about UCF this episode. We will. Uh, so I don't. So want you to, could save
2: it for then. So I'm, I, I'm actually, I won't dive
1: too deep into it. But Mike <laughs> Keene was a true freshman, and he looked like it yeah, last year. Yeah, um, but that's okay. I think the third would maybe be linebacker play. If I had to take a guess. Well, you
2: didn't. Okay, so you got that one. Um, Let me see the other two. No, it's going to be big play offense, which to me feels so, a little bit.
1: I was looking, like, I was thinking units more than like. But that's the same as says, quarterback play because Mikey Keene. They're kind of
2: a, right; those tie together. He, like they're missing big plays, basically.
1: Well, so. Yeah, but so Ryan O'Keefe, uh, mm-hmm. Johnny Richardson. These are, uh, they've got a couple of transfers coming into the program too. Uh, right. All very capable of being big play guys. The problem last, last year was that first up injuries. That was huge yeah. last year. That might even be the third thing they mentioned: is the injuries. Half the team was injured. Half the starters were basically all season. Not the point. Um, but Mikey Keene, again, an injury replacement for Dylan Gabriel, who's a great big play threat. Uh, mm-hmm. he wasn't comfortable in the pocket for more than a second. So if there's any amount of pass yeah. rush, she wasn't comfortable sitting in and throwing downfield, which takes away a lot of that big play. So I think that's the same as quarterback play in a lot of respects for UCF.
2: It's very similar because the, you know, this guy, I think his name's Brian Smith. He wrote this and he basically said, oh, you know, no, to, I'm a little to bit. Win, Not well, but." The Knights need more 30, 40 and 50 plus yard game changing plays. Now to me, yeah, everyone would
1: what yeah, if they had more 50 plus yard plays? I
2: mean that's very yes, like I feel like I if you put that to any team in the AAC they're going to
1: yeah.
2: to win, maybe not yeah. Temple, but like,
1: you know. Oh, no, but I mean, but if you're trying to say three things, Temple should do more score points.
2: <laughs> 50 yard chunk plays, prevent Great touchdowns, idea. <laughs> you know? And then the last one that he said was run defense. Um I guess they lost quality players in their they linebacking did. core. Yeah. They lost their defensive tackle from last year's front Kalia seven. Uh,
1: but right. he was injured from, he tore his ACL in the uh, ECU game, I think it was. He's on the 49ers now, actually. Um, oh, really great funny. interior defensive lineman, but like great, great, great. Tore, tore his ACL, lost him for the year. That did hurt it, linebacking yeah. core. I just mentioned their iffy uh, Tatum Bethune transferred to Florida State, which didn't help. So this, there are questions there, I'd say. Uh,
2: yeah, and they said it's not a coincidence. Or Brian said it's not a coincidence that the four losses were all games where UCF ran defense. Run defense was subpar. They gave up too much yardage. Louisville, one hundred ninety-one. Which
1: that game was uh, tough. That again, was a tough. Game. You were you were at that game and. We'll, I was. Well, I don't want to like get into my whole UCF thing before we get to them because we are. That's why I am
2: speaking. I'm not letting you speak right now. Like, you, we're, you cannot chime in currently. Um, Navy, they gave up 348. Now it's Navy. So, you know, we'll talk about that later. Uh, Cincinnati, they gave up 336 in the run game. And then SMU, who we didn't even think had a run game, they gave up 241. So.
1: I would say, sp- I'm going to take SMU and Cincy out of it for a second. The first two you mentioned, there are option teams. And they mm-hmm. UCF, mm-hmm. for whatever reason, has struggled against good running quarterbacks, which it doesn't mean Redder fell into that category, too. So, yeah. you know, I think what you see there is the UCF, for whatever reason, struggled against that style, like Lee Cunningham or yeah, you know, the Navy Triple. Yeah. They struggled against that. They really did. Uh, we're not talking about UCF until like half an hour from now, though. Officially. I know.
2: I just, I had to, because I saw this article and I yeah. was like, I wonder what Dan would think of this. So that was I, my little, just... I do
1: know who that is. The uh, Brian Smith, you said okay. it was a little bit. Not, yeah, uh, I, not, I not personally, read... but like through Twitter, you know,
2: <laughs> I That's hadn't read you know um, people. any of his stuff. Oh, I have my, my one non football thing before we dive into um, Tulane, which is our first school. Yes. I want to give a shout out really quickly. So, you know, I've gotten um, more into golf, right?
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah.
2: You know, mean, working I, at Pebble. Yeah. It, yeah. Working here, living here, like it's just become kind of part of, and I am working on part of, I'm working on the U S women's open team for next year's open, which would be the first nice. one at Pebble beach. So exciting. Um, it's really gotten my women in sports, you know, juices going again, which has always been a big thing to me, but they just had the AIG women's open. Um, it's like, it's, it's like recognized by the LPGA tour, but it's also the ladies European tour. It's a major and it was really special this year because it was played at Muirfield. So that's Mm -hmm. in, in Scotland, which is funny, you know, Mm because you were just there. Um, I I don't think you were, you weren't. Oh, you were in Ireland. You weren't in Scotland.
1: No. Uh, yeah, oh, just, okay,
2: Ireland. just Ireland, just I, for, Ireland. For, I, for some reason, I thought that. Well, anyways, it's played, um, it's called Muirfield. It's played in, in, it's in Scotland and it's one of the oldest courses, I think 250 years old, and they never allowed women. So yeah. women were not allowed. This is the first time that women have played on this course in any type of tournament format. And the girl that won it, her name is Ashley Buhai. She is South African. And it was this huge deal for her to win it. She wanted it in an overtime, you know, It went into overtime on these holes and it was crazy. She, um, I just want to give a shout out to her because like, what a moment to be a woman and especially a South African woman and win this prestigious tournament at a place that didn't allow women, you know, to be part of that trailblazing. I just thought that was so cool.
1: Definitely. Do you actually, shout out this, women's golf. you might know that you, you might know this, but it's a fun fact for anyone. who You know what golf stands for? Originally? Exactly. No. Gentlemen only ladies forbidden. Oh. That's Actually, what golf I think my dad is.
2: has I think my dad has told me that. Like now yeah, they like, say that.
1: Like I mean, like centuries ago, that's what it, you know, not just golf, but <laughs> at one point.
2: Yeah. Well, it's changing. Women's golf is becoming a big thing. More women are golfing now than ever. We have the uh pandemic kind of to thank for that as golf yeah, rates sure. just rose during that time. So I just think it's incredible. I think it's incredible. And we're seeing more international women winning because it used to be just dominated in the last century was dominated by the U S by women in the U S. And now I think the last five majors have been people from all different countries, which is so cool. So anyways, that's my little non golf fun fact for the day.
1: So absolutely. Now we can Uh, talk
2: about about Tulane.
1: Yeah. So you mentioned we're going to talk about Tulane preview days. We're doing Tulane Tulsa and UCF today. Uh, mm-hmm. skipping Temple for the time being for a couple of reasons we decided. The first was Emily didn't want me to juxtapose UCF and USF too much. It's
2: like anybody wanted that.
1: Nobody wanted that. I would have loved it. Uh, it's, not point, it. it's not the point though. It's not the point though. The other thing is, I think there's a nice thematic element to Temple and USF on the same yeah. uh, preview because I think most people would recognize them as the two bottom teams in the conference sure. for the past couple of years i think yeah. there's i think there's a conversation about which what they're doing differently than each other and how they can rise you know yeah so anyways so we rearranged our alphabetical order just a little bit we're starting with two lanes still going in alphabetical for the time being uh last year was kind of a disaster for the green wave they went two and ten only one and seven in conference uh Displaced by that hurricane early, and they kind of never got on track. They almost beat Oklahoma, but they really, after that, it just felt like they didn't have a chance to actually get their feet under them throughout the season. They are playing from behind the whole way. I don't know. That's the vibe I got from it. Um, Yeah. Coming into this year, Michael Pratt, year three as a starter, (laughs) his third offense coordinator in as many years. Uh, This one's Jim Svoboda. He was the Central so, Missouri. So, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. SV is the first two letters of his last name. So, I'm Boda. We'll pretend like I know how to pronounce that. <laughs> uh, Central Missouri's head coach for more than a decade. I think in 2005, he was like a Broyles Award finalist. So mm. a well respected guy. Don't yeah. know, to be honest, I don't know much about how he's going to run the offense. Uh, I knew much more about Chip Long last year because of was at Notre Dame. <laughs> Uh, oh, yeah. But he left for Georgia Tech because he wanted to get to the power five, I guess, even if it was on a sinking ship, whatever. Um, really major turnover issue last year for Tulane. Really yeah. major. And they need to fix that pretty much right away is right away. Fair to say.
2: I mean, what let's look at their what's their schedule? They've got their
1: softball then. They play UMass and Alcorn State weeks one and two. Oh yeah,
2: that's right. Yeah, because that's the game that we're looking at going at. I keep forgetting that's where we're yeah. starting. I think we're gonna start the season there. So nice. I mean Yeah.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. That
2: is what it is. You start off with Massachusetts and that's home. And then Don Brown,
1: baby, coming out party.
2: You get what and then are you, you, you doing, go right Brady? into it. goes for a
1: thousand yards on your head. Elias Mary was go, on the ground. Come on, now he's a truck.
2: You go right into Alcorn State.
1: You're ignoring so, me. So you know,
2: yeah, not a not a real uh, tough non-con there, but definitely confidence boosting. So love that. You uh, know,
1: yeah, they round up. We're not doing the schedule just yet, but they round up. No, I know,
2: but I'm just saying, like at I, I Kansas think,
1: State, and then Southern Miss who yeah. has their own problems that they need to work on. And that's yeah, a they pretty good. Really
2: don't face anybody like too scary until they go to Houston on September 30th. So they really get a month, I think, to kind of settle into yeah. some sort of pattern.
1: I mean, the Southern Miss game, I think, got some good storylines. And it, you know, that's Will Hall's team now, who was their OC for a few years there. Uh, and it's a rivalry game. It is. It's a fun rivalry game from like old C USA that is basically. And you know what? I like it. I like having that game. I like it. <laughs> it's fun. Uh, anyways, their offense does return most of its starters from last season. Like, I think it's nine starters return. Uh, you know, I like the running game. Tyje, Spears, Cameron Carroll, these are good running backs. Uh, Deuce Watts I like as a wide receiver and had a ton else after that wide receiver for weapons that you look at, but mm-hmm. Yeah, I just I think it's an offense where you can point to individual pieces that you really like. I know you want them to go play two tight end sets all year. Um, and who knows, maybe that's what Jim Zvoboda does. I literally just tweeted at
2: him because he follows me on Twitter, and I was just like, we're going to need a pronunciation assist here. <laughs> so hopefully he'll get back to me while we're on air, let, and I can, let, we can clear that up.
1: <laughs> let, let's hope. And you should also ask about those two tight end sets, though, in the fullback situation. Uh, hey,
2: uh, well, we already know what's going on with Tyreek James. Tyreek James is back, and he's incredible. Mm-hmm. But you know, I'm pushing hard for my guy Will Wallace. So um,
1: that's why you need the two to see tight end sets because you know when you get a great tight end, if you want two, if you want another one you on should the have field, two
2: of them on the field. Yeah, I know. I know. You're...
1: I just again, I just my thing with the two lane offense is I think there's individual pieces I can point to and say. Yes, I think that player is good. Yes, I like that guy. Mm-hmm. But when you turn over what you're doing in offense every single year with a new OC, it's really hard to get a foothold. You know what I mean? It just is. Yeah. Yeah. It is. And I, I, you know... I do also have some concerns about the offensive line just because, well, they're smaller than a lot of other offense, or than a lot of offensive lines you see in the AAC. They, yeah. Tulane, we don't talk about the same way we talk about with Navy, but Tulane has similar ways they restrict themselves because of academics. I never like to say they like keep guys from game, but there are some guys who aren't eligible to necessarily play at Tulane because mm-hmm. they want a higher standard on your uh say SAT scores or there's plenty of guys who might just not want to go there because they uh have a different way of treating student athletes and other schools might as i think the way to put it same way notre dame does at a higher level or rice does who will be coming into the conference next year or stanford out in the pac-12 they're all restricted to some extent who they can recruit which hurts
2: i mean but you look at the team that we're going to talk about next tulsa they're also restricted from that's just true. a, a number of students standpoint yeah. and yeah, i talked true. to their i talked to the conference usa um uh, commissioner, which I guess is controversial. People don't like Judy. Um,
1: uh, a lot of USA fans don't. I
2: yeah, which I don't is pay enough attention to USA
1: to know what they don't like. But I know that. I mean, I think it's easy to point at the commissioner when your conference just got poached really badly. Of course, and I of think course. that USA fans also really don't like their media deal because I, that's.
2: I think that was what think, Eric explained to me was the biggest issue was the media deal, but. I So I met with her at Media Day and we spoke, I would probably say, for about 30 minutes because to see a female commissioner, especially sure. for a woman in this industry, is incredible. She's the only I mean, just female even,
1: FBS commissioner, right?
2: Uh, yeah, she is, but there are other FCS ones and she said they have a great community, but she's on a bunch of committees as well, like, you know, for mm-hmm. different standards for different NCA things. And she's often the only female in the room. So we had a very long talk about that, but, but I did pick her brain about Tulsa and I'll, I'll talk more about this later, but she was the athletic director at Tulsa for many years, I really didn't which know that. I think, yeah. yeah. And so she, we actually chatted about how difficult it is for Tulsa, you know, being a school of 3000 people, I think undergrad, I think that's what they are I think yeah it's in that range it's somewhere around there and that makes it really difficult it's
1: a small private to compete
2: right so Tulane and Tulsa are similar in that regard but the thing you forgot to mention about Tulane is that they lose Corey Dublin which is a huge
1: yeah off the offensive line
2: physical yeah experience nasty piece Mm -hmm. yeah yeah so that's going to be really hard losing a guy like that but there's always other guys up and and these guys are going to have to learn how to gel under their fourth offensive coordinator in four years. So,
1: so Yeah, whatever it is. Uh, we'll see. Then on the other side of the ball, you look at the defensive uh, line, and they're a pretty good pass rushing team last year, Tulane mm-hmm. was. Uh, Darius Hodges is a very good edge rusher. He almost slept in the transfer portal. I, rumor was he was thinking pretty hard about it. Mm-hmm. Um, he had 16 and a half tackles for loss last year. That would have been huge production to lose for Tulane. He stuck around, which is a good thing for them. Uh, Darian Williams is a really good linebacker. So I think the front seven is probably the strength of that defense. And that secondary was not good last year. And I don't really know why it would be better this year if we're getting into it, unless some players really develop and step up, you know,
2: I think where we're going to see improvement is in the linebacking core where you have, you know, guys mm-hmm. that have had three years together now, Nick Anderson, Doreen Williams. Um, I think Williams had nearly a hundred tackles in 2020. So, I mean, they've, yeah. had, they've had super productive guy. Yeah. Very, very good experience there. So that's going to be helpful when they run into, you know, some teams that run the ball, but like you said, the line it's, and then the secondary, secondary, you know, so yeah. how their safeties end up looking, how their cornerbacks end up looking. I don't,
1: I, I don't think it's, it's young.
2: It, yeah.
1: it's, it's tough in a conference like the AAC to be like that. You really need to, at that point, rely on your pass rush to make things hard for other teams, but yeah, but that's just tough to do sometimes because last year, that's what they were doing and teams still like an SMU. were still able to light them up through the air. Yeah. You know, if it's you get, good. go up against a team, that's got good tackles and you're, not in good shape against them defensively if you're lane. So it, it's a concern. I think, yeah. you know, the size and the, like I said, size on both sides of their line in the trenches is a little bit of a concern. You know, there's, there's reasons to be optimistic if you look at individual pieces, but there's also a lot of reasons to be kind of like, uh, you know, it might be tough yeah. to get to a bowl.
2: Yeah. Well, and my, one of my concerns for them is they have no kicking or punting like replacements. So to speak of, I mean, there's guys listed on the chart, but it was Merrick Glover, you know, and he was was, there forever. He was good. He was the four-year starter, right? And now he's gone. And so is the punter Ryan, Wright. Um, Mm -hmm. his brother, Casey Glover is obviously still there, but it's always tough when you take a guy that's been in that position for a while. And then all of a sudden that's up for grabs. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to look for them in the special teams and that's probably going to take a couple of games to work out. So um yeah,
1: we'll for have sure. To see. Uh for sure with all that being said, I still think Willie Fritz is one of the best coaches in the conference.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: If you look at I love when he dials record, it up, you know. Mm-hmm. Like
2: when he lets loose and he actually calls some plays that are, you know, like, and I'll just I, never forget that Houston game when he dialed up that play to win it at the end. I mean, he can do those things, but I felt like last season, we didn't really see that from him because think, he, he didn't have the confidence in the players. I, you think know?
1: That, I think last season that Hurricane did more damage to that team yeah. than they than they're ever going to admit because you never admit yeah. something like that got you. But I think it kept them from being in any sort of rhythm in September. And then by October, once they did get back home, I think they were just trying to catch up to what the issues were. And every other team had like, say you were uh, an ECU last year and you found against App State a couple cracks in your arm or, or you found, yeah. you know, you were able to correct those in September because you were home. I think Tulane was just trying to survive September. And I don't think they had that ability to correct, say, oh, we're having a real issue on the back end covering guys. Like what's a good way to approach it? So I don't think they were able to do that until other teams had already made their adjustments. I think it just was a whole year of catch up and, that they've never caught up on obviously with the two and 10 record. So
2: I just, I don't just, get, you know, I don't, it's not that I don't like Pratt and I don't think that he's capable and, and talented. I just think he tries to do too much. I think he doesn't but, always make yeah. the best choices and maybe that's his line. You know, maybe that is the problem and and that's going to be sorted out and whatnot, but to have him in your top 10 or 11 quarterbacks in the nation, I feel like
1: that's a, that's a story you're talking about there. Does that feels, I, targeted
2: whoever I, there are people that have him high like that and think uh, he's, that he's
1: well <laughs> I think I think of him in a very similar way to I, the way I think of Clayton Toon to be honest with you at Houston interesting is Clayton Toon and Michael Pratt have a similar skill set they're both athletic runners who you want to probably throw a little bit more than run but Toon looks
2: way smoother when he's moving than, than Tune, Pratt does oh, Tune's more,
1: oh, if you look at Pratt's numbers they're there I know, it I know always, but
2: I, it's, this doesn't I, look pretty. I agree. Pretty, too, looks you know? like,
1: yeah, well, Blake Bortles didn't look pretty running. something like the third no, quarterback didn't. in NFL he history. He was thick, for, thick well, like a Mack Chuck, Blake Bortles. But no, but I think Blake Bortles, when he left Jacksonville, at least down, I don't know if it's still the case, because whatever, was like the third quarterback in NFL history for yards per rush, like something like that.
2: Who's like like, the thickest quarterback in the AAC, do we think? Just Holton Aylers. Do you think he's the thickest? Well, now, now I need to now I like, need, I need to, to kind of know this now. I
1: need, okay. I need to look up what Gary. I need to feel what Gary Bohannon actually looks like. To be honest, Clayton
2: <laughs> Tune is not thick. He's not no. a thick dude. Here, let's look.
1: Tanner mordecai is not thick. Michael six, Pratt's not thick. Yeah, I'm going to read you. I'm
2: going I'm to read you here. Clayton Tune is 215 Okay, then we got Evan Prater so. from Cincinnati, which let's just say they go with him six four two hundred
1: skinny guy Ooh, that's skinny that's,
2: that's not with the thickness uh, some, And then Mike,
1: some of us are 6'2 250 over here going what the hell
2: mikey Keene, 5'11 180 you
1: know mikey keen's small
2: yeah he's tiny and then john rice Plumley's
1: no bigger or tanner maybe, mordecai like, 6'3
2: 218 okay
1: i think that's seth hennigan
2: part. coming in at 6'3 200 okay i thought he was that
1: tall i thought he was shorter than that i thought, I was know, like, no, he's I thought he was cool. more of a 6'1 guy
2: Oh, you're right. Hold Nailers, 6'3",
1: 230.
2: Yeah, I thought listed. so. Wow. Okay.
1: I thought so. Maybe the one math up at Temple's got a little bit of... Michael Pratt
2: is six two two ten, So not bad, but not, you know, thick. No, and is... then Davis Brin, 6'2", 2, 208.
1: Yeah. So it's Holton Nailers. yeah. Like it I said. It is. am well,
2: almost i I've been now. watching Tim, that man Tim...
1: play quarterback for five years. So I know. Tim,
2: Timmy McLean, 6'1", 196. 196. 196. <laughs>
1: Well, yeah, you you're missing. Uh, Gary Bohannon just came in there, so we'll see what he's listed at whenever we when we get to USF next week. And then
2: Ty Lavate, six two two ten, pretty honorable. Dewan yeah. Mathis, six six.
1: Yeah, but I knew Two oh
2: five.
1: That's what I was to say. I knew Dewan Ooh. Mathis was big, but I didn't know if he was thick.
2: So Holden Aylor. So Holden he's your Aylor's- thick boy. Thickest quarterback in the A.C., therefore, by default, the best quarterback in the A.C.
1: Does that mean we have to call him the hefty lefty this season? No. never. Feel <laughs> no, from Lorenzen? Lorenzen. Robbing the grave?
2: The thickness quotient is a thing because you can withstand this. injury if you're thick. Like I know. I'm going to make this a thing.
1: Not thick? Dylan Debril, I'm going to tweet it out. We guess collarbone. <laughs>
2: all right anyway so we almost wrapped up with Tulane um do we want to do like let's a, do the schedule
1: real quick quick glance yeah, so we already yeah.
2: talked about the first we did the,
1: yeah we did the auto conference I'll run through it super quick UMass Arkansas State at Kansas State Southern Miss at Houston ECU at USF Memphis they get mm-hmm. their buy before traveling to they get Tolstance. their buy on Halloween
2: weekend by the way can we just point that out like what pa- is what a, what a Orleans New Orleans under. thing <laughs>
1: Uh, that's a nice weekend to have off if you're a yeah. football player yeah. Uh, yeah. at Tulsa. <laughs> then they host UCF, <laughs> host SMU, and travel to Cincinnati on a
2: Thursday. On SMU on a Thursday night in New yeah. Orleans. That's going to um, be some wild shit, I'll tell you.
1: That'll be it. And then, yeah, then, like I said, at Cincinnati to finish the year. Well, yeah, that's just
2: that's pretty it, much it's the first week you could finish. It's a just mean not. conference
1: schedule. <laughs> yeah. You start with Houston and end with Cincinnati to in your conference slate. Yeah. Uh, in between, yeah. you basically don't. You, you
2: gotta travel to South Florida in October. Ugh. It's gonna be hot. You gotta uh, travel to Tulsa, which is like literally a like a ticking time bomb. Yeah.
1: We'll talk about them in a second. I've got many a question about that team for the season, but
2: <laughs> they're an enigma, but they're, but they're coming in the off best the way possible.
1: But they're coming yeah. off the of bowl. Uh you know, the only team on your schedule from conference play that's not coming off the of bowl is USF, and you're on the road to play them.
2: Mm.
1: You know, Memphis. You host them, which is nice. You don't have to go to the Liberty Bowl. Yeah, but
2: and we don't know what Memphis is going to be. So Memphis has
1: their own question mark. Game. Yeah, um, you know, you you do host ECU. But yeah, those are teams it's I think nice to they're to just. But those are teams. I think are all just straight up better than you. You know what I mean? I at mean, the same time,
2: I think that they managed to get that win over SMU on Thursday night
1: because that's just one of those weird. It could be a weird. You one. don't want to
2: play. At Tulane on a Thursday, it's just not. It could be weird. It's not
1: that. It gets, yeah, it's it gets weird. I don't know we'll that see. I agree with that, but it's hard. We'll see. We'll I see. think I think it'll be with that conference schedule where it just stinks you don't get Temple. It kind of stinks you don't get Navy, even though you don't really know what Navy will be. Yeah. You know, like at least talent level, will be a little bit lower. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's a really tough conference schedule, which means I think even with an easier out of conference slate. I think it's going to be a little bit tough to get to a bowl game this year unless we see some sort of major turnaround and the turnovers go away and Michael Pratt take a huge step forward. You know? Yeah. And even then, I think it's going to be a little bit tricky. Uh, But yeah, that's Tulane for you, 2022. Moving on to Tulsa.
2: Do you think that Tulane gets to a bowl?
1: No, I don't. Interesting. I think five and seven is their max uh, record for the season, to be honest with you.
2: Phil Steele has them as his most coveted, uh, his most improved. And then he has Fritz getting them back to a bowl game for the fourth time in five seasons Mm. this year.
1: Very interesting. UMass Alcorn State, Southern Miss, USF Tulsa. I don't, I have trouble giving them a sixth one. I just do. Uh, we'll have to see.
2: He has a lot of faith in, in their production. So. All
1: right, Tol- Tulsa times. Uh, twenty twenty one, they went seven and six, five and three in the conference. They won the Merle Beach Bowl over Old Dominion. Uh, they've got a new defense coordinator coming to town. Oh, not really coming to town, Luke Olson. It's an internal promotion. Uh, it, as these things go, uh, as start, these things go. <laughs> weird kind of season last year for Tulsa, where they started zero three with a loss to FCS UC Davis, and we kind of left them for dead. At least I kind no, of left them I for did, dead. Not,
2: I did not. I did not leave them for
1: dead. I, I 100% left them for dead, and they came back really strong in conference play and made that Myrtle Beach Bowl, won it over a kind of weird old Dominion team. Uh, they bring back the quarterback, Davis Bren,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: uh, I thought he showed promise. But then when you go back and look at stats, Emily, do you know what his touchdown-to-interception ratio was? I don't. Basically one-to-one. Probably – it was probably not won. great, yeah. He threw 18 okay. touchdowns wow. and 16 interceptions last year.
2: So what happens when you throw – how many passes did he throw?
1: Oh, he had like over 3,000 yards passing. He threw a lot.
2: yeah, yeah He threw – what's going to happen? If you're a young quarterback and you're throwing a lot, no, you're going mean, to
1: throw some interceptions. I thought he showed a lot of promise and potential, but that made me – it surprised me how many interceptions there were. And, like, if you throw the ball 200 times and you throw – say five interceptions there, you want to at least throw 10 touchdowns too. You want to double, at least get a two for one on your TD interceptor. No one's asking for eight to one, eight to one's that type of like Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, right? You know what I mean? But like, yeah. give, me, give me two to one, give me 18 touchdowns to six inter- or two. Well, maybe,
2: maybe that's what you'll see this
1: year. Well, I, I do think Brent shows, showed a lot of potential last year and could do it. You know what I mean? They
2: finished second overall in the conference, averaging 442
1: yards a game. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is I think but they weren't able of... to
2: convert a lot of those yards into points. That's the problem.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, so. there's things I like about Davis Brown. There's things that I think need correcting. The same way you feel about Pratt, I think. You know what I mean? Interesting. Yeah. Similar kind. Of, I don't think it's going to help them that the offensive line has a lot of turnover right now.
2: Mm-hmm. You know?
1: You just lost the first-run draft pick on the offensive line. He's not the only offensive lineman. That's uh, Tyler Smith. Give him the shout-out. Uh, he's not the only <laughs> offensive lineman who's turning over a little bit for him. Uh, and then there's turnover at wide receiver, too. Emily, did you know their top seven wide receivers last year in terms of yardage were seniors?
2: I did. I mean, that makes them, sense. But Two I... of
1: them chose to return, I should say. But Okay. Two did choose to return. They still have Keelan Stokes, who I think is one of the better wide receivers in the conference but that's a lot of turnover at wide receiver that you're going to have to replace the production from, you know, and get comfortable yeah. with your Davis Sprint again. And so whole new learning, to, kind of like what we were talking about with Seth Hennigan at Memphis. Who are you throwing to now? You lost a couple of your top targets. Who are yeah. you throwing to now?
2: Hey, next man up. I'll tell yeah. you who he's going to throw to now. Keelan
1: Stokes. Well, Keelan Stokes is who he's going to throw to. Yeah. <laughs> um, If we're getting into it.
2: We've got Juan Carlos Santana in the mix now. He's he's a pretty good receiver. Yeah, he Uh, should be interesting to watch.
1: Yeah, and I think if you're Tulsa, you have to kind of lean on this identity you have established in recent years, which is to be a strong running team. They're a very strong spread run team under Philip Montgomery for whatever that's worth. Uh, Physical in the trenches, though, like I said, there's turnover there that you have to kind of contend with but you still have a uh, Demeric Prince uh, and Anthony Watkins coming back at running back. So I think that's what you have to lean on more than making yeah. Bryn throw every down. At least well, at
2: least try and be balanced. I don't, I mean, I, I know I spoke to Montgomery and that's always, he said that was always the plan, but they just tend to lean heavy on Bryn because he, he can sling it, you yeah. know, and they, they had the guys that could catch it. So it's like, why would you not do it? Even though they you know did have Shamari Brooks, um,
1: yeah. yeah, he's. I don't know. He's I guess it,
2: Yeah, I know, but I'm. It does not. I guess it doesn't make a lot of sense why why it was so pass heavy when you had Brooks running the ball that like
1: that too. But you, you had a good running uh, situation last year, so yeah. I don't necessarily know that you needed to be that pass heavy. I don't yeah. know that necessarily was good for you to be that pass heavy. Uh, and don't go they're also
2: getting they're getting Kentucky grad transfer Isaiah Epps. And a nice, a nice Juco pickup in Nick Rempert, who had impressive springs, apparently at the wide receiver mm-hmm. position. So I love Juco guys. I love their stories. I love they're when usually they get real picked up. Too. Yeah. You know, they, they're they hungry. They want to, they want to be like there. The,
1: they, did you ever watch uh, Second Chance You or Last Chance field? I I last did not. Field. No. The I first didn't. season I thought was entertaining. I don't know if I'd call it good, but entertaining for sure. Mm-hmm. And after that, they all kind of were the same. You know what I mean? It's like, okay, I've seen this before
2: yeah
1: but it was interesting tv for sure
2: i never got around to it but i will i will i mean
1: netflix it's not like they ever like truly get rid of it
2: didn't they do the one on on oakland the city college
1: i think was that a different one I, i think they did i think they started jumping around because the first couple were at a one of the places in mississippi which i can't remember the name of right now
2: yeah
1: um Oh yeah.
2: They did Laney. That's what that's, yeah. they went to Laney see, season five. So that I actually knows some guys that coach I mean, there. Coached so season
1: five. Yeah.
2: I started to pay attention when that happened because it was kind of cool to see, you know, local um, a team like that being featured. So I, I didn't watch it, but I should, but I know a couple of the guys that follow me on Twitter, like they were in it and stuff. So yeah. I, I'm going to check it out. I'll get there,
1: but yeah. It's decent entertainment. I mean, <laughs> All right. whatever. People know whether or not they want to watch last chance by now, uh, on the defensive side of the ball, you got a little bit of turnover on the front seven there too. Jackson player who was one of the best defensive linemen in the conference decided to transfer. He's at Baylor or now, uh, I've got questions at the linebacking core. I don't really know who's going to step up and be the guy there. I don't know. if You know what I mean? It just, yeah, it's a little iffy. Uh, I should go say Anthony Goodlow is a really good pass rusher for them. Uh, but in general, the front seven and the trenches on both sides of the ball for me of Tulsa don't seem as strong as they've been in the couple recent years where they've really had success under Philip Montgomery, you know, playing for the AAC championship and going to a bowl last year. That was really in my mind, at least their calling card was playing strong trenches football uh, if that's not there, what do they have? I think they still have a really good secondary, one of the better in the conference. Not the best in the conference because UCF exists, but one of the better in the conference at secondary. Uh, yeah. That's kind of my rundown of Tulsa.
2: Your your final thing. Um, I,
1: mean, I think for the now.
2: defense, <laughs> oh, boy. Defense, for, especially when I look at AAC teams, it's,
1: defense it's, it's, it's is always weird. the hard.
2: It's just always hard. Yeah. But I think well, their like secondary. It's like
1: 2016, sometimes. You
2: know? Yeah. It does kind of feel like that. Even though there is talent, sometimes it just doesn't always emerge. But I think their secondary should be their strength as we head into the season. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, Definitely.
2: And I think that's key when you're going up against pass heavy teams. So that'll be good for them. But, you know, they need to put pressure, they need more options in the linebacking core. And, who knows what's going to happen with this line. So,
1: you know, that that's we'll the see. Thing is, their questions that they have this year are just different than what they've had the past couple of years. Right. At least the way I see it. And I think that's always interesting to see how are they going to be able to answer that? You know what I mean? I don't know. Uh, yeah. You like you, you know, the transfer portal helps you fix guys kind of in spot roles, but you don't know for sure that that'll work out ever. Uh,
2: But bright, bright spot before you get to the schedule is a man named Zach Long and he is a bad, bad man. He is their kicker and he is back. He led, I'm actually doing a special teams AAC preview right now. And Zach Long um, led the nation in just many categories, but most importantly, consistency. I think he was 21 of 23 for last year. So he was money. On the f- 22 of 23, I was close. Nice. Um, that's that's what
1: you those need. Those are his
2: field goal attempts, and then they have rugby style punter Lachlan Wilson, who averaged 45.7 yards on 61 punts, landing 21 inside the 20 yard line. So okay. they are they are the king special teams of the conference. Like that punting kicking duo is fire. So I mark my words, they will win games because of those two guys. So can I tell you
1: something? And I know what you just said. I I heard it. I'm not debating it. I don't trust drug South style punters. I never have.
2: Oh my god! Why? I,
1: it's weird. It looks weird. I think that half the time it looks like a shank, and I don't trust it. I don't like it.
2: I mean, but you have to think of it this way: like, if they're doing it, it's because they're they're practicing it. They're good at it. That they didn't just Uh-oh. wake up and decide to do it. You know what I mean? So, like, it, it's
1: a. I understand. The, we used I, to have I a lot of cows. I know that they're practicing. I know it's not just a thing. They're like, it's going to be fine. Watch me do this coach, and the coach like, what are you doing? I know it's not like that.
2: <laughs> I, they don't I wake just, up and just, you know, whatever. I just
1: don't trust it, though. Uh, um, anyways, the schedule, you want to jump into that? Do yeah, let's do the, the roster? Yeah.
2: No, that was just my shout-out.
1: Well, week one, Tulsa heads to Wyoming before returning home to play Northern Illinois, Jacksonville State, then on the road for Ole Miss. Hosting Cincinnati at Navy. They get their bye before they travel to Temple. Then they host SMU, host Tulane. That's that Thursday night game we were just talking. No, sorry. SMU was on Thursday night. Never mind. Ignore me. Uh, at Memphis. Then they host USF and then they travel to Houston in the season. Uh, yeah, it's a, I I think it's an interesting out-of-conference league like, because you get two G5 teams. You first you travel to Wyoming.
2: Which honestly is gorgeous and one of the most beautiful places I've ever seen. I've been to the stadium, not for a game, just to explore. And it was
1: awesome. So The elevation there is extremely high, which makes it tough to play in. Uh, You're going to be gassed in a way that you don't, it's one of those things where you don't expect until you get there to realize how gassed you're going to be playing there. Uh, Yeah, but it's week
2: one. So it's whatever.
1: Yeah, no, it's week one. So we'll see what happens because I don't, I think Wyoming has a ton of its own question marks to answer. I don't, not an expert on the Wyoming Cowboys, though, so I can't promise you that that's true. <laughs> so uh, then they come back and they host Northern Illinois, who's one of the favorites in the uh, MAC this year, in its own right. So that's an interesting matchup. Jacksonville State, it's FCS. You should win. You lost to an FCS team last year, though, and this is our Rich- watch
2: Tulsa. Watch. I'm sorry, I thought you were finished talking about Jacksonville State. But- I was
1: gonna say it's Rich Rodriguez's team.
2: I it's know, like, and I love Rich Rod, but no.
1: Okay. Um,
2: watch Tulsa mosey in to Oxford, Mississippi, and be Ole Miss. Just watch.
1: What's Ole Miss has got Ole Miss is kind of like a big fat question mark this year themselves because they're replacing half of their roster too. You know. Uh, yeah. So it's and possible. I hate. I know you, you hate, I, hate yeah. I know you hate yep. Lane. You, you're and not
2: actually. Coach Montgomery, Philip Montgomery is like the anti-Kiffin. So that's why I love it is because it's like this really straight edge, like kind of no nonsense guy coming in against this clown. So it's going to be epic. And I'm actually going to pick Tulsa in that game. So
1: you heard it get, ready. <laughs> get
2: ready, get <laughs> ready.
1: You're telling me that Lane Kiffin's about the nonsense.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm telling you.
1: Full of nuts. Uh, anyways. So much nonsense. The... uh one of my favorite things about the Tulsa conference schedule is that they don't play UCF. That's super important for some of us that they don't ever play UCF again. <laughs> Tulsa absolutely owns UCF. They don't get to play them. Haha, uh-huh. Thank God. Uh, you do get Cincinnati and Houston. You do get SMU. Uh, you get Temple. You get Navy. You get USF. So I think it's a kind of mixed bag in conference for how tough is it going to be. I think that this should be another bowl season for Tulsa if you look at the schedule, though. Like, yes, there's a lot of question marks on the roster, but I think there's enough good things I see there to say, yeah, why not go to another bowl game? You know, yeah, 100%. I, like, I think that should be the expectation of six and six and work up from there. Yeah, You're going, I think so. Yeah, I think yes, I think that's a fair thing to say. Expect six wins and look for more because I think it's, I think, yeah, it's I capable of more.
2: Of seven, yeah, I think. Yeah. And I again, think I... I we got to see because if they start just even like a iota better than last year, which yeah was just the worst start to a season I've ever seen in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then, then it's only on the up. So we'll see. I'm excited. Tulsa's the team. I'm very excited about So Absolutely. All right. Now the moment that we've been dreading we've all dreading. been dreading this moment.
1: Dreading. Dreading. Dreading it. I don't agree with dreading. the dreading thing. Uh I'll actually I'll try to be quick about this for you because don't
2: be quick. You're the one that knows the most about it. Give our listeners some insight and in and, and uh, thoughts on it, but don't wax poetic or I will interrupt you.
1: All right. So UCF. UCF, yes. where do I begin? Lights. Yeah, charge on. Charge on Emily. <laughs> uh, charge on, yes. UCF last year, 2021, they went nine and four, five and three in conference. They, beat the Florida Gators for the Gasparilla Bowl victory. Florida fans will say it didn't matter to them. They're lying. Don't let them lie to you. It mattered to them. Uh, turnover at offensive coordinator. So we're just talking about Tulane has three offensive coordinators in three seasons. Same for UCF as Chip Lindsey, former Troy head coach, is taking over as the OC in Orlando after uh, G.J. uh took the, was it, oh, shoot. Was it the incarnate word head coaching job? I want to say. Uh, he got a head coaching job on Texas. <laughs> um, the big question the offense is facing this uh, season, who's the quarterback going to be? Is it going to be Mikey Keene who took over for Dylan Gabriel following his broken collarbone and looked like a true freshman, I'd say is the fair way to describe him. He flashed potential, mm. but there's other times when he was, say, against Cincinnati or against SMU where he was just clearly overwhelmed and the moment was too big for him sometimes. You know? Uh, mm mm-hmm. Or is it going to be John Rice Plumley, the former Ole Miss quarterback uh, turned wide receiver once Lane Kiffin got there, who's converted back to quarterback for UCF? And I think fits Gus Malzahn's system is a running quarterback perfectly well, but there's questions about him as a thrower. Mikey Keene, there's questions about how is he developing. So uh, which way do you see that going?
2: I don't really know enough about it to weigh in but i do i mean if i had to choose i think i would go keen just because he's been there like don't you give him the benefit of the doubt or no
1: i think john rice Plumley is gonna get the job so like here. why
2: is it rice when it's clearly spelled
1: reefs uh like, that's super annoying you'll have to ask the Plumley family because i really I'm like, how but, many
2: words do you need in your name? John Rice Plumlee Jr. Uh, like, come on, it's too much.
1: I'm sure there's Mikey Keene
2: is just a way better sounding is name. Tyler you know Van, how I feel about
1: names. Is Tyler Van Dyke down at Miami Jr. possibly? That'd be fun. Get a bunch of those in the state.
2: Too many. Oh, too many words. Too. It's too much. So I Anyways, hope it's going to be Keane, but we don't know. Who knows?
1: I, I I think it's going to be Plumlee, but Ugh. I wouldn't be surprised. If the first game of the season is South Carolina State. I kind of think they're both going to see. Yeah,
2: I would. The- I, that's a Gus Malzahn thing to do. And I, I would actually, that's a time I would appreciate it because I think there's sometimes you do need to see both of them in game activity, you know?
1: Well, that's what sometimes happens it's in mean, uh, Dylan but... Gabriel's first season uh, with Brandon Wimbush, who transferred in from Notre Dame.
2: From Notre Dame. That was yep. one of the first stories I wrote was about – um, a news story was about Wimbush transferring.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's funny. And I'm very old. I'm... <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're, you're, you're good. I remember I wrote about, yeah. I about it too. It's all good. Okay. Um, <laughs> anyways, he came in, but uh, he was okay the first series or two. Then uh, Hypo gave Dylan Gabriel, the true freshman at the time, a mm-hmm. shot. And he was fantastic, and he never gave the job back. And that was against uh, Florida A&M. Uh, mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's very possible that you see the same kind of thing happen in the South Carolina state game where both guys kind of you go two series at a time or something like that to see who looks better live, you know? Uh, so it's very possible. I, when you look at UCF, they're going to lean heavy on the running game because they've got a mm-hmm. really good backfield. It starts with Isaiah Bowser. Who's the pounder than Johnny Richardson. Who's a very quick, like, I hate the term scat back, but kind of like, a quick one cut and go. Mm-hmm. Very fast, very explosive. Almost looks like he's tripping over his own feet sometimes. He's going so fast, though. Uh, yeah, I really like the backfield. The offensive line, I like the starting five if they're healthy, but there's yeah. not a ton of experience depth there. And if injuries strike yeah. like they did last year, you know, yeah, you think, fingers
2: crossed.
1: Uh, yeah, and then at the receiving core, you've got Ryan O'Keefe returning and a ton of really high-end transfers. That includes uh, Kamori Gamble, at tight end from Florida. So you've got... uh, The the thing with transfers that we were just saying about uh, Tulsa, though, or I kind of briefly touched on, yeah, they might have a high-end potential or you might think you know what you're getting. And a few of these guys are Auburn transfers, so Gus has a little bit of a better idea of what he's getting because they were his guys at one point. Yeah. Um, you just, it, who knows if it translates. It's a mm-hmm. kind of a guess on patching things up. Uh, and with that being said, I think the strength of UCF is 1,000% going to be their defense, which is kind of weird. It's not what you think of when you think of UCF. But their defense is, I think, the best in the conference. And I don't mean that as like a homer. I think it's the best in the conference because I think it's the best in the conference. Uh, really love Travis Williams, the defense coordinator. Uh, the secondary is elite not quite the way you would think of a Cincinnati secondary last year. They don't have a guy like uh sauce Gardner, but they've got guys like Kobe Bryant to me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I think they're. you've got a lot of depth, a lot of great athletic options out there. You've got a good defensive line, a Josh Salisgar, Ricky Barber, Traymond Morris, These guys are good players and you're going to get a lot of pressure and you're going to own the last scrimmage. The questions at linebacker, you don't really have a, said, hey, he's the guy at linebacker if you're UCF. But I think everything else on the defense looks really good. They just had on Sunday a live scrimmage offense versus defense. And the defense dominated the day ahead. USF or not USF, UCF fans. And now you got me doing <laughs> it. Yeah. yeah. Nailed it. It's hard when you get to rolling and talking about it. It just slips. It does slip sometimes. And Knights fans really like, it. instead of hearing the defense is great, they heard the offense is terrible. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think the defense is just going to be that calling card. The defense was even the calling card last year, though. If you go back and actually look at games like the ECU game or the Tulane game, it was all defense.
2: All defense, all the oh, time. Well, you saw, you saw my quote.
1: <laughs> That's
2: fair. You're, you are definitely a wait-and-see type team for these special teams. Um, yeah. For sure. But you saw my quote from uh, Gus Malzahn where he told me that to win championships, you have to run the ball.
1: Run the damn ball. Love that. And UCF, like I said, they're going to run the ball. And that's why – that's also why I think John Rice Plumlee is your starter because he can run that Gus Malzahn-style offense and be a dual threat way better than Mikey King can. And, you know, John Rice. it doesn't matter which one of them if all you want to do is throw screens, to be honest, and run the ball. It doesn't really matter which one you want put back there.
2: I'm excited because we're going to see the full-blown Gus Malzahn era. You know, it's like, it's, mm-hmm. I feel like this is about to kick in full force this year. So.
1: A lot, a lot more. So for sure. A lot more. So for sure. He's, he's been a heavy user of the transfer portal we'll to make sure he's got his players in. Uh, he's recruiting very well right now. The UCF is bringing in some of the better plays that they've had in a very long time in the 2023 class. Uh, so yeah, everything pointing up ahead of moving to the big 12, are they better than Houston overall? Probably not. Are they better than Cincinnati? Oh, they might be, though. Cincinnati's taking that step back that we talked about. Big yeah. question, can UCF stay healthy in a way they didn't last year? I can't imagine they have the same injury luck that they had last year. I just It's unfathomable to me that you lose players like that. Uh, do you have anything to add about the roster?
2: I think you pretty much said it all. <laughs> I, I don't really.
1: You kind of, you told me to say it all.
2: <laughs> I, I know you did good. I, um, my only, I, like I said, my only note was, I, I, I think we're finally going to get to see the true miles on era. So mm-hmm. that's going to be fun for everybody. Um,
1: no, us just. jump ne- in. Uh, Bounce House is nearly sold out for the year on season tickets, by the way. Nice. Yeah. Them Cincinnati, it's going to be real good for a uh, crowds. So these teams moving to the big 12, at least anyways, <laughs> Schedule this year. Let's do
2: the schedule, yeah.
1: Hosting South Carolina State, Louisville. Then they travel to FAU. Uh, host Georgia Tech. Host SMU. Take a bye week before before hosting Temple. Then they travel to ECU. They host Cincy. Then they're at Memphis. At Tulane. Host Navy. And they finish the year at USF for the last Warren I-4 game on the schedule for the foreseeable future. Is
2: that... Yeah. <sighs> Yeah. And what's your initial reaction when you saw the schedule? How'd you feel about it?
1: Good, because you don't play Houston or Tulsa. Honestly. Houston, to me, is the best team in the conference. I've said that before uh, for 2022. And Tulsa is a UCF killer for whatever reason. Doesn't matter who the head coach is. Happy when I didn't see those teams there. Cincinnati yeah. has the turnover that we've talked about. They're coming to UCF. I don't know that, like, we it's too early to predict a winner or loss to me in that game because we don't know what either team looks like for sure yet, but I think it's much more when I think that's much closer to the 2020 game than it is the 2021 one in terms of closeness or uh, the 2019 one, even uh, traveling to Memphis sucks. It just does. Tra- <laughs> traveling to ECU is a, a trick SMU ran UCFL the building last year. So those are things you need to look at, but I think it's a relatively easy schedule overall, you know, yeah, I mean the stretch, it definitely it's not. It's definitely
2: tough. like it's it's feasible. It's just that that Louisville game is going to be so gnarly. Like that's I was telling how, my friend, I was like,
1: "It's at home." Louisville I know it's going to get out of hand. Than, like it hotter I'm than the surface of the sun.
2: The players, well, that it gets hot in Louisville too, so I'm not really that worried about that. But what I'm saying is that was such a controversial like ending last year. There was a lot of emotion, so that game I think. He's going to get yeah. out of hand a little bit, you know, Possibly. a
1: little chippy. We'll see what happens. That is, I think, the most exciting out-of-conference game, if you look at it for UCF. Uh, at FAU, they should dominate. Uh, the COA guys can talk about FAU more whenever they want to, but Willie Taggart's got to figure it out down there because he, the defense has been fine, but that offense has been anemic in a way where I think UCF can go in and shut them out, to be honest with you. I don't see any... Reason why FAU should be able to score on UCF this season? Yeah, their offense is their offense is that bad. That's not even a compliment yeah. to UCF. That's an insult to <laughs> FAU. I'm okay. directly saying they're a bad football team. Uh, Georgia Tech's a bad football <laughs> team too, though, and they have to go to, to UCF. Like I don't. But any, Georgia Tech important.
2: plays. I will say this: Georgia Tech plays a different kind of football than UCF plays. Something Malzahn's more familiar with, but that I don't think that UCF hasn't played prior to him. Um, it's like a, it's a, a, more like hat on hat, like hard contact yeah. game. UCF's a little more fun and loose and airy. Yeah,
1: but they. So I'm just saying,
2: like, uh, they when beat you, when Georgia Tech pretty up, good a
1: couple of years ago in Atlanta. And then different, I mean, they, they've that. been
2: down for sure. They've been, they've had down years, but Jeff I'm Collin, just saying, I think, I'm just
1: saying, Jeff Collins is and the individual, they like to run the triple,
2: there. they have the fullback, like they, you know, they're a lot like Navy, you know, in a way. So, well, at least I don't, they used to be, I don't know if uh, I haven't yeah, that seen the the, Georgia
1: Tech that's what Paul Johnson was there. Oh, well, yeah, you haven't seen maybe. them because the they're losing games by 40. They're, <laughs> oh, they're no. bad. I'm telling I don't you, they're pay
2: too much attention to Georgia Tech. I guess I'm, need to I'm telling you, they're out. bad.
1: They're bad. Uh, Jeff Collins is getting get fired this season and i don't love firing coaches but he's going to get fired this season former temple head coach smu is interesting to me that's the home, a home game should not have been beaten by them the way you were last year but they did spank ucf last year out, over in dallas uh, new head coach for smu and Rhett lashley mm-hmm. who knows Gus very well and yep. well. so we'll see what That's happens gonna be a
2: there. fun yeah I, fun. I, I almost want to be at that game because their interactions are going to be so cute and priceless like i wish i could see mm-hmm. them but
1: absolutely uh temple that's the space game this year it should be the eight. Thursday
2: night game against temple Woof.
1: <laughs> yeah uh, that's, a, that's woof. at acu should be interesting yeah
2: that's
1: that gonna be, an be... and that's right before cincy so you could call that a little bit of a trap game too
2: UCF tied the series last year and have won six straight against them. So that's fun.
1: Yeah. Memphis who beat UCF for the first time ever two years ago now. Uh, And that's, I'm sorry. Second time ever. First time as an FBS school. Sorry. Hate to give them the credit like that. Uh, Tulane. We just talked about Navy. We've talked about plenty of USF. No reason why they shouldn't win that game, but it was close last year. It was close last year. Uh,
2: Knights yeah. lead series 7-6 and have won the last five meetings versus their in-state rival. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, yep. You never when know. The, when this game, give yourself a little cushion before they figure out how to do it out of conference because they should figure out how to do it out of conference. I mean, it's going to be sad to lose the war on I-4 for me. I think that's my biggest takeaway from the schedule is there's a couple games being lost the war on I-4 Uh, the game against ECU and the game against Memphis. Those are three games I circle every year when they come up as like exciting games for me to watch. Uh, And it's sad to see all of those go as they transition. But yeah, it's better life. Better life. Yeah,
2: better life. Well, so what do you think? They make a a legitimate run? Like, do you think they can? I don't see why
1: they, Okay. I don't see why they couldn't be in the conference. That Cincinnati
2: game game is really that Halloween weekend game is going to be the deciding factor, right?
1: I I think that's fair. If everything
2: goes according to schedule, like that's, that's going to be it.
1: No reason why. I think that's fair to say that Cincinnati UCF game decides who plays Houston in the conference championship game. In my mind. Let's
2: just say they win it, okay, then then it seems all, all roses after that. But let's say they lose that Cincinnati game and they go into a slide because it goes so poorly, it doesn't go their way. Then yeah. they play at Memphis next. That's a tough – you that's go into a, Liberty Bowl.
1: I, no, that, that's the tough stretch right there of the schedule is ECU. And then even uh, at Tulane, Tulane so. you know, because we'll Tulane see. is
2: not great, but having those – back-to-back road games after a loss to Cincinnati, you see a situation where it sets up for like kind of a little bit of a slide if they don't win that Cincinnati game. So that game, I bet you that game circled. I bet you, you know, I didn't get a chance to talk to Gus about the schedule, but I guarantee that would be one that he would have and that the whole team will have that, you know, cause that's the, the goal is always Cincinnati. So
1: absolutely. As long as the Bearcats are on top, that is the one that you have to circle until they're not the Kings. You have to treat them as such.
2: So well, they're gone, until y'all are gone.
1: You do have to treat them as such, yeah.
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Anyways, yeah. Well, that's...
2: this was a fun one. Those yeah, are our see, I don't
1: think I took us off the rail too hard there but UCF.
2: No, you actually didn't. And I think it was really great, the information and insight you provide. When you care about a team, the analysis, like the biggest concern is it'll be biased. But I will say that nobody knows more about the team than someone who cares about them. And you're going to know all kind of facets and ins and outs of it that the average casual fan wouldn't, or someone like me wouldn't. So I think it is I, valuable.
1: I think that it's, I, this is kind of, I think a whole sports journalism, like ethics debate kind of thing. I've never liked to call myself a journalist because it does kind of have these like standards to it. I always like to just say brighter. You know what I mean? Because it gives you this like a little bit more versatility to what you're allowed to do i think uh there's no way what i'm doing for on three right now is much more journalism than is anything else you know i mean so there's no way around that like yeah Yeah. i'm doing news articles basically it's it is what it is but i think in the sports world every sports writer out there got into it because they love the sport that they cover you know you'll never see someone write about a sport for their job if they don't love it they have some kind of deep rooted passion for it. And yeah. In order to have had that passion for it, you had to have rooted for someone at some point in your life. It just yeah. no one's just, I'm a fan, no one's that Rob Lowe meme with an NFL hat on in real life. You know what I mean?
2: No. That's just not how people it, are.
1: You know what I mean? The I mean, advice
2: that I give to young writers that try and write about their schools or want to still write about the schools they went to or or do that stuff yeah. is I suggest you don't because it is yeah. very apparent when you went somewhere because you mm-hmm. speak differently about them. You speak more highly of them. And maybe you shouldn't, or you speak more harshly about them. And maybe yeah. you shouldn't. So.
1: I, just, I think that's what I just, I, I understand what you're saying. That I think it's important though, when you do have biases. And so saying the AAC, I'm UCF guy. Mm-hmm. I, I root for UCF. I went to yeah. UCF. Like I'm not, I don't think I should ever try to hide that. I think it's something you should wear on your sleeve. You know what I mean? You I can to say schools. it,
2: but yeah, had, of the, course.
1: So like, I want to wear it on my sleeve. So, you know, when I say, I think UCF is the second best team in the conference this year. And you think you know, they're like fourth or fifth, just like, it's okay. Be like, so that you're not like, who's this crazy guy? You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I mean, do, but uh,
2: realistically, do you really think they're the second best team in the conference?
1: I think you can I think, make I, I think that yeah I think I think you the, can make
2: the argument, sure. Yeah, I think the three but you can make that argument for a couple teams.
1: I think so. the three Big 12 schools are the three best teams on the field as well for this year. Whether or not they've always been that way, no, probably not. Like, I you don't
2: know, think UCF is better than Houston. I like no, when you I stack them up. I don't
1: know Houston's better than UCF this year, for yeah. sure. I think yeah. I think Cincinnati is an interesting question. I expect a step back. And I think UCF is not as better than they were last year. I think they're an improving team who's not going to have the same kind of injuries. So I think, yeah, I think second best isn't that far from reality because I don't think ECU is better than them. I don't think SMU is in practice actually better than them. You know, I do know what happened last year, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. well, who else like Tulsa? No, they're not actually better than UCF. They own UCF in terms of they always beat them, but you know, I don't know. Yeah. Like, I, I I just think it's important to remember when you when you read a sports writer that they went to a school and they, they do have a team that they probably root for. So like even say you're reading uh I don't know, an Alabama beat writer, well, they might have gone to Auburn. You know what I mean? And even though they're trying to like cover it up, it just that's the way it is sometimes. You know, it just is reality that you went to a school and you can do everything you can to not have bias about it, but it exists. And that's why I think it's important to just acknowledge it.
2: Yeah, that's great. Well, let's acknowledge that this is the end of the podcast and yes.
1: uh, absolutely about our night. <laughs> yeah, Yeah, the Red Sox are on. I got to go watch that.
2: Yeah, I need to go make dinner. So if you guys want to follow me on Twitter, my handle is M-L-M-E-M-I-L-E-M. Same on Instagram. Mm-hmm.
1: You find me at Dan underscore Morrison 96 on Twitter. Nothing on Instagram. Don't go looking. And
2: (laughs) you won't find it. He's not there. He's ghost. Bye. Not there. Don't want it. One more preview to go. We do. Stay tuned because next week. USF
1: and Temple are next. USF and Temple. Last two
2: teams. And then we'll be done previewing it. we can move on to other various topics probably
1: a week one preview after that probably (laughs) just if we'll look at the calendar yeah Uh, that's fine all right and we are off we'll see you next time